0: Welcome to another episode of My Bloody Horrorcast.
1: Hey, hello, this is uh, Steph.
0: And this is Carrie, and we're back to talk about movies we love, of the horror and thriller genre and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, um, so we're going to catch up on at least one movie we both saw since the last time we met up.
0: This is good, we're totally in sync on this one, stuff. We are! We really got this together. Um,
1: and then we're going to talk about some K-horror.
0: Yes, 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 yes. There's a lot more, too. You know, we talk about k There's There's so much to choose from. We just picked a couple choice uh, selections, but there are many, many, many more that you should also seek out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of wanted to preface this by saying we're not experts, and we didn't go with... Really deep cuts or anything? No, but we did just want to talk about like how awesome Khor is and all the things we appreciate about it.
0: Yes, like one of the things we talked about was going into the whispering door or whispering corridors, mm-hmm. like four or five. Watching one of those, which I still
1: haven't seen.
0: Which we, at a future date, that'll be on one of our what we've seen at the beginning of our yeah, podcast. But
1: it just means we can do more Khor episodes in the future. Exactly. But well, first. The yeah. movie we we saw. Carrie and I both saw Annihilation, which is adapted from the first book of the same name in the Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer, and we both thought the movie was awesome.
0: Awesome, Alex Garland, another home run.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, after uh, the excellent Ex Machina, come I mean, just it's fantastic. Um, he's he, he right now with this movie, I think is up there with with visionary directors of this era mm-hmm. with, like, Den- uh, Denise Villanueva, I think, being another one. And I think that um, Alex Garland is nearing that that point. I mean, Villanueva has done... Now has a, a pretty strong body of work. <clears throat> but I think we're really good. we're going to see Garland do some great things. I'm very excited. This is a great movie. It's a great ensemble cast. Powerful female cast. Yeah. Um.
1: um well, here's the thing. I was not originally excited about Annihilation because I hadn't read the... Books. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not love Natalie Portman because I'm not a straight white man, and (laughs) I (laughs) true true story. (laughs) And I just wasn't sure it was going to be my sort of movie, but I was totally blown away. I think it's another it's another CG heavy movie that looks incredible. Like Like, some of the creations in this movie, and just the rich set pieces,
0: the garden in the middle is is just an absolutely beautiful scene it really is striking the visuals are striking and as much as it is a CGI heavy film it has to be you never again i the the human element is always still the strongest Mm-hmm. Even though the, even though the really the sets are, we've said this before. I'll say it again. The sets are its own character in this one for sure. Mm,
1: they the world, really are. The, the world
0: inside the Shimmer is its own character.
1: Yeah, and I mean it. It really presented some things I'd never seen before that were just beyond my own imaginations in horror, like. When you see that body that's just like exploded with mutation and it's all done in crystal, mm-hmm. I mean that's incredible. I think one of the creatures, which I'm just calling mimic bear because I don't know how else to describe it,
0: mimic bear is frightening.
1: I got scared. Yeah, I,
0: I hadn't been, I hadn't had that level of of fear in a film in a long time, and it's done so well. It's a slow, it's a it's a really well done drawn out scene, ratcheting up the suspense. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's so well done
1: mm-hmm. and it is an incredible cast I thought Natalie Portman was pretty good and more than that. I love Jennifer Jason Lee
0: Jennifer Jason Lee was great um, Of course huge portman fan and um, I'll pretty much watch anything. She's in that being said uh, She's legitimately great um, Oscar Isaac is great in a very small role mm-hmm. as well um, per usual and um, yeah, this world that they create inside the Shimmer. It, you, everyone who's listening to this probably knows the plot, but the basic the basic storyline being that there is a mysterious, um, almost like a force field, that mm-hmm. it has started around the in the ocean, has now extended onto land, is slowly extending further and further onto um, U.S. soil, and so the this team of five women, after following a number of different teams who have gone through. Only one person having returned from all the teams have gone through and in the past. It's been military teams.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Now it's been
1: all male military teams. All male
0: military. Now they're bringing in a group of scientists. Mm-hmm. Not that, not that they can't kick ass because they do, but they're they're not going in in uh, this sort of um, aggro sort of way, ready to fight. They're really going in to try to to take more of an analytical approach to what's going on inside the Shimmer.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're really aware of you know no team coming back
0: right right Uh, it's it's a it's basically a suicide mission more or less Mm -hmm. and you get the sense that they all kind of know this but they have their curiosity is also is kind of taking over and they they have to know. yeah curiosity
1: and bravery for sure
0: sure 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 it yeah it's you know it it's hard to describe some of the scenes some of the, the the most striking scenes you really have to watch it but there are some amazing, amazing set pieces in this film. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see it, you know, twenty more times. I feel like um, I really plan on seeing it at
1: least one more time in the theater. Yeah. That's oh great. yeah. Um, and I have since read Annihilation, the first book in the trilogy, and I think they stand as two separate awesome pieces. Like the book can kind of like mess with your mind more. There, there are whole settings in the book that don't exist in in the movie, and they're they're like pivotal for the novel but I sort of think the way the novel did things and the way the book does things, they both work really, really well for me and they're both scary and they both kind of mess you up. In the movie, one change that I actually did like that they made for the film is that the entrance to Area X, the Shimmer, is visible. It's something you can see them going into and I think that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, you have to be, I mean, that's that's the, the reason you watch a, a film, is is to see a visual representation of what you, what your mind has interpreted in the book, and I, and I think they do. Now, I haven't read the book, I do plan on going back to read it, but I think from what I've heard, friends of mine have read the book as well, you mm-hmm. and a couple other friends reading it now, they do a, a, a pretty reasonable job, or, or a pretty accurate job of, of what it could uh, look like in the book.
1: Yeah, I mean, they are... Pretty different though, and I just started Authority, which is a wholly different story too. I hope it's going to be adapted as well. I haven't heard. Have you heard of?
0: I have not yet. The rest no. of the
1: trilogy. Yeah.
0: This is done fairly well. It hasn't been a huge box office hit, but it, uh, but I think it'll end up making money. Um, well,
1: internationally, it won't be a box office hit because it was released in Netflix everywhere else.
0: Yep. So, of course, sequels depend on the first film's box office receipts. So. We'll see how that all shapes up. But hopefully they do. Hopefully hopefully they continue this because I'm interested. Um, whether or not Alex Garland so. will be involved, unlikely. Usually um, they bring in a different director for something like that on the next go-around. But it um, should be interesting to see. But highly recommended. I mean, it's it's more of a psychological thriller slash sci-fi but there are enough horror elements in it to cross that boundary.
1: There's one scene where these women come across an abandoned camp that one of the former groups have gone to and they find this video recording of mm. something that they that the last team was trying to show.
0: Oh, that scene is so cool.
1: And I think well, everyone in my screening like cringed at that scene.
0: That's when it started to feel like, oh wait, now this is a horror film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, you know. <laughs> click. So yeah, no, it's um yeah, some some really great stuff. And as Steph was saying, things that, that I haven't seen um, visually in a film before.
1: Yeah, awesome. All right, two recommendations for it.
0: Yes. Now, on to K-Horror.
1: We've been talking about doing a Korean horror episode for a while, and it was kind of hard to know where to start. I mean, unlike J-Horror, there's a much smaller window of time that you're really looking at, but yep. I just wasn't sure. It's, and-
0: really, it's really 98, 99 until now. Yeah, really and did. you sort
1: of feel like it came in two waves, like that mm-hmm. first wave of it and then like maybe a decade later like a bunch more awesome ones. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, no agreed. I I did do some digging uh, on um on, on a couple of them found some interesting um things to talk about particularly with Thirst, which oh, has really cool. been which I've really been um that that was probably of all the movies we're going to talk about that's probably the one that I find the most fascinating and the and the, the richest in um, in history
1: well definitely um anything by park Chan-Wook.
0: so what do you want to start with
1: well i just wanted to say really quick one thing that i really love about k-horror is how they're able to fluctuate in tone like one minute it's funny and the next it's like really sad or really scary really graphic or just really sweet uh i really appreciate how all the films we're talking about put like a fresh spin on genre like we're zombies vampires mm-hmm. Our revenge thriller,
0: right? It's also interesting too to get a sense. There's a lot of religious underpinning to a lot of these films,
1: mm-hmm. oh. and well, definitely, in yeah, you're right.
0: Particularly in the Wailing and Thirst, mm-hmm. a couple of the ones we're going to talk about today. There's a really interesting uh, battle,
1: or in any of them, morality.
0: Sure, morality definitely plays a huge part. I mean, pushing the bounds of morality. What makes one more a moral person? Mm-hmm. A lot of those questions are, are posed in all these films, and there's there's just a lot to kind of sink your teeth into.
1: Do you want to start off with Thirst, just because it's chronologically the first one that came out?
0: Yeah, sure. Or wait, sure.
1: I think we're all talking about this. Well, same Tale
0: of Two uh, tale of Two Sisters, I think, might have been the first. That's
1: right. Yeah. Okay.
0: Do you want to talk about that one, then I'll go into Thirst.
1: Okay, yeah. I forgot we were talking about Tale of Two Sisters. So Carrie and I talked about it a little bit on our family episode. We did. And it's by Kim mm woon mm-hmm. And it's awesome. It's this beautiful, gothic, spoiler ghost story.
0: Yep, yep, <laughs> it is. Of course, remade very in a very inferior manner yeah. by the movie The Uninvited. Um, just don't see that one. It's not great. Skip it completely. It's... Um, no, this one's great. You've got, what I loved about it is um, the house is such a beautiful, haunting, gothic set. Mm-hmm. It, it would fit in there with a gothic horror episode of, um, as well. It's, it would. It definitely feels, in, in, it's in that world. I'm sure if uh, we were to talk to the director, to Kim Ju, I'm sure he would say he was inspired by uh, gothic uh, supernatural stories of the past.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that.
0: So we've got, uh, you know, in this one, of course, we have two sisters. We've got uh, Suyon and Sumi and And the story's basically about sort of their relationship with their awful, awful uh, stepmom.
1: Her awfulness is debatable, though.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. But she still really bothered me.
1: Mm-hmm. She
0: really, Her character really upset me.
1: Wait, are, we're going full spoilers on all these movies, right? <laughs>
0: shall we? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we should.
1: Okay, so I was just going to say she kind of starts off as this like annoying trying too hard like stepmother. That's sort of the impression I got. And then it just escalates and she's just like a torture woman of the house.
0: Yeah, no, she's she's pretty awful. Um and I mean as we go back in flashbacks and you realize at the end how much were how much worse she was than you actually originally thought.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, at the end of the movie, it's sort of revealed that, okay, in either scenario, she is responsible for the death of the younger sister. There's no question.
0: And that's where the, that's where the awfulness comes in. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard for me not to, to you know, think of her that way. But they do such a great job of, of keeping that out of our, uh, just on the periphery, mm-hmm. so you don't really know what's going on until the end. And it's one of those, um, those sort of twists that feels very natural. It completely works with the story.
1: Yeah, and it's also an interesting movie because the father is almost a non-character. He's really like non-effective. It's it's all about the sisters and the stepmother.
0: He doesn't protect his daughters. That's one of the big problems of the film, I think, is mm-hmm. it's almost like he tries but doesn't know how to. He doesn't really know how to be a father in a lot of ways, I feel like. Yeah. And so in the absence of having a father, there they have this very domineering... Once, once their mother passes, so their biological mother passes away. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, different circumstances, and then their so now their their stepmom comes in, and she is basically everything for to them um, while they're living in this house. And the father, like you said, he's 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 a ghost in a way.
1: He's yeah. like a living ghost. He's such a minor minor character compared to the three of them, though.
0: And he's not necessarily a good guy either. Mm. I get the sense he, he, there's, there's, some, there's some deep there's some anger there. That um, within him, that I think is very subtle, but um, even him being so removed yeah, is damaging I, to them. Yeah,
1: agreed. I sort of view him as like a very minor villain through neglect.
0: Right, right. Here's the great thing about Tell Two Sisters so you think about Wound's later work in your face, bloody, unrelentingly violent, and, and great, but this one is all about the atmosphere. Tell the Two Sisters, is a, it's, a, it's a ghost story, it's supernatural, it's all about these characters. In In that way, it's really a slow burn, um, I felt, in a lot of ways, and it's really a, a, a character drama in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of think this and I Saw the Devil are the only two movies he's made where you could call them both horror movies, and they yep. are extremely different.
0: Yes, yes, yes. This more classical, I Saw the Devil, yeah, he was, um, it's just as in your face as you can get. It's one of the more... I've seen we've, we've all seen the hostels and we've seen some pretty violent stuff I saw the devil is I, I think is more impactful in its violence than almost any other film I've seen
1: <laughs> yeah um Dean was like cringing I just rewatched it earlier oh it is
0: it's a cringe where like you will be cringing in this film and of but course
1: what, what a diverse director though if it's okay to just segue there yeah yeah, I mean, yeah. this yeah. is the guy who made like his American debut with The Last Stand
0: yes which is a lot of fun it's a fun movie it's not
1: a bad movie it's
0: not a bad movie I mean I have I feel bad that he couldn't have gotten like the rock he had to get like short late you know Faye Schwarzenegger I wish yeah. he had gotten to do a movie with the rock that would have been awesome
1: but the good the bad and the weird he's done a lot of cool things that's
0: a fun one too and there's a lot of you know Korean I mean Korean film there's it's interesting I think Korean film started out strongly influenced by Western film whether it's American whether it's French cinema I think there's a lot of influence from French new wave. And, and American cinema in there. But also, I think now we're seeing American films influenced strongly by Korean cinema as there well. There
1: have been multiple movies made in America or Europe that are remakes of Korean films and yep. have not been successful
0: no no because the sensibilities the the, the stories are so different It's hard. sometimes it's hard to translate those in the same way while keeping the integrity of the original story and sometimes together.
1: it's unnecessary if the original is awesome and only came out like a year or two before <laughs>
0: it's ridiculous yeah it's no, absolutely ridiculous but yeah Tale of Two Sisters I guess back to that um just one of my there's so many great scenes, so there's a there's a body in what was it a, a, the the coat uh, closet
1: oh yeah, that like standalone wardrobe the, the, the wardrobe excuse me okay. yeah, yeah wardrobe <laughs> okay. yeah,
0: so you've got these great really most of the horror takes place in that wardrobe a lot of it a lot of a lot of the best scenes take place in that wardrobe and that wardrobe becomes sort of a symbol of death in mm-hmm. the film, yeah,' there's some beautiful shots of uh. Ghostly apparitions uh, emerging from this wardrobe, um, and there's and, and it's really really good scary stuff, and and the the scary moments are few and far between, but they really they get you when uh, when they come on screen.
1: I think some of the like building animosity between the older daughter and the stepmom are pretty creepy, like bird in the bed, and like, mm-hmm. I, but yeah, when it builds up, bloody sack, creepy dolls, like there's oh, there's a yeah. bunch of things that are definitely horror stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, so yeah, so Tale of Two Sisters. Anything else you want to say about that one?
1: No, but now I sort of feel like the right film to talk about next is I Saw the Devil, just to sure. draw that director. <laughs> Should we keep with
0: Kim Ji Woon? Yeah. So Kim Ji Woon does this res- this very restrained, gothic, supernatural uh, ghost story, and then um, seven years later, he directs a, a somewhat divisive, even though that I means 80% of Rotten Tomatoes, but I mean. The Korean, Korean film board didn't even want to release this movie. Oh, I didn't
1: have they, no idea.
0: They, I mean, they made him cut it over and over and over and over. Lots of cuts before they let him release it. It finally got an NR rating. Rarely does a film get an NR rating. Usually, it's for R- what? Just for the violence. For the I think it's I think it's for again. We're. we're I was mentioning this earlier. <laughs> Am I
1: getting too desensitized? The <laughs>
0: intimacy of the violence, I think, is really. Is really what got, I'm sure, the the ratings board, huh. and really what got a lot of people, because we've all seen plenty of torture porn stuff, you know, whether it's Hostel or, um, you know, either Eli Roth stuff or the Cannibal Holocaust movies, but you don't care about the characters a lot of times in those films. Mm-hmm. They're just the characters are really supplementary. The characters are there for gore to exist. In this film you've got really compelling characters doing awful things, and I think it hits home a lot more because of that.
1: Yeah, is it okay if I give like a quick summary? Of course, summary? please. Okay, I think it's essentially about a serial killer who murders the fiancé of a highly trained secret agent. Like, he totally picked the victim of The wrong dude, in terms of like who is not going to give up on (laughs) tracking him down and torturing him.
0: It's Lee Byung Hun, who was also in Good, the Bad, the Weird. Mm hmm. um, Who's a great, he was also in.
1: Um, remember that segment of Three Extremes, cut the one we didn't like, the Park Chan Wook one. Yes. Yeah. He is in
0: that, yeah. And
1: yeah. He, uh, he's also a Storm Shadow in the G.I. Joe movies, movies yeah. I personally love.
0: <laughs> he's great. He's a great actor. Uh, he is one of those actors that manages to emote with very little visual, very little uh, shift in facial expression. Like, But he emotes so much.
1: He has like an incredibly handsome, chiseled face, too.
0: He's a, I mean, he's a good-looking dude, let's just say that, yeah. But... um. So I and, and really uh, Choi Min Sik, who is the serial killer, there really are polar opposites, and it's kind of interesting.
1: You know, I meant to look him up. I I know him from Old Boy, but yep. Yep. I was trying to think what else he's been in. He's, I mean, that's enough. That's he's, oh, what yeah. a, what a role.
0: <laughs> Two iconic films right there. Yeah, no, he's done a lot of stuff too, but I couldn't think about that either.
1: Okay.
0: Um. But anyway, continue.
1: Uh. Yeah. So basically, it's another movie that I think's a really good example of like tonal shifting because towards the beginning, like, after the murder of this woman, there's this really moving scene where um, he's grieving for his fiance and the chief is grieving for his daughter. Mm, And I'm just mm. like, oh, man, this is, like, really sad. But it turns into a crazy revenge thriller with, as Carrie said, like, an insane amount of gore and some really dark humor. Like, so when he, the secret agent, first starts going after, like, potential suspects, he, he literally takes, like... Is it a hammer? It's a
0: wrench to the balls.
1: <laughs> he just smashes this dude's genitalia. That
0: was a really hard scene for me to watch. <laughs> I mean?
1: And then, like with a totally straight face, the chief is like talking to this guy in the hospital, and he's just like, "Did he like bust your balls, or like something like that?" And I'm just like, "Oh, it's a joke." <laughs> they
0: are totally playing on this dude who's like lying there, like you know, nearly dead. It's, <laughs> it's a, they're just dogging him, man.
1: I thought this movie was amazing. There are so many parts that I cringed. And it really is like this cat and mouse game. Like, he's just messing around with this killer. For a while, he puts a tracker in him mm-hmm. so that he can follow him. And every time he's about to hurt someone, the secret agent just shows up and tortures him more. And at first, you're just like, this is actually a hilarious revenge plot and also a very gross and effective one. But then the tables kind of turn. Oh, that's a weird thing about this movie. One scene... I. I don't know if I'd just forgotten that he had like a cannibal killer best friend.
0: There's this weird part in the middle. The
1: serial killer, I should say. Not the not the good guy. There's, there's this very Yeah, there's this very
0: weird sequence in the middle of the film where the serial killer and the cannibal, uh, you get it's like their best friends, I guess. I guess it's the serial killer's probably only friend. <laughs> yeah. Who happens to be a sadistic like cannibal murderer as well. And Birds h- th- of a feather. Yep, and the cannibal, uh, the cannibal's girlfriend, and they have these, they have some bizarre scenes together in the middle. of uh, It's it's just a very strange uh, portion of the film, but it adds <laughs> some kind of like it's gallow adds the gallows humor that you kind of need in the middle. Oh, I think.
1: it does. It's like a little goofy. They're like sitting around this table. Cannibal friend is just eating his human meat, <laughs> and then like serial killer is just like. Ah, so here's what's been going on. This guy just won't leave me alone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the behind the scenes that you never really get in a serial killer film or from a serial killer that you actually get in this movie, like just a day in the life, you know? <laughs> um, it's really, it's, yeah. There's some, Well, that's the genius of, of Ji-Woon. I mean, this guy can do that. He can do these things. He can these, these shifts never feel too abrupt, or they never feel wrong, or, they, or out of place. Maybe abrupt, but never out of place.
1: No, I mean, as soon as the action busts out in that particular scene, it's like... So the serial killer gets a gun at one point, and this is also the portion of the movie where the tables turn, and he mm-hmm. realizes, okay, I know who this is. This is the fiancé of the woman that I like brutally murdered. And so he gets a gun, and he's going after this guy in Cannibal House, and... So the secret agent, like, spills all these... Are they fishing hooks?
0: I think so. I think they were fishing hooks.
1: Yeah! And just waiting for this guy to step on these hooks, like, creeped me out. It was even worse than seeing him, like, drive drills and things into people's skin. Yeah. I was just like, oh, don't don't run in there in your bare feet. I know you're trying to be sneaky.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a moment, like, a flashback to the original Die Hard Bruce Willis once, yeah, th- once yeah, through yeah, the room yeah, with yeah. all the broken glass, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, one thing I thought was just interesting uh, is how um, the actor, Byung-hun, really begins to, I mean, he starts to turn the tables on the serial killer by doing the same type of thing that the serial killer does to, its vic- to his victims, which is what's interesting. He basically begins to emulate a serial killer just from the opposite side.
1: That's definitely the movie. I mean, in part, mm. it's a revenge thriller, but also it's watching this man transform from the hero of the movie into, like, a monster himself. Yeah, and with, they, they totally spell that out. And at the end, it is very obvious.
0: It's very obvious. And, you know, but it's it's the idea. I mean, Ji-Woon said uh, in an interview that um, he wanted people to understand sort of the depths of what revenge... The, the, the ultimate... End of revenge, mm-hmm. which is you know obviously that you you can never get enough. You can never get back what you lost, and whatever revenge you do exact is never enough. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a cup it's a cup with a with you know with a hole in the bottom that's constantly um, leaking out. And so that's what I thought was really interesting about this film: um, the sound, the set pieces, the visuals, all the close-ups, lots of close-ups in this one. Whereas until two sisters. There are lots of um, lot of long shots and sort of shots of the house, and in this, it's it's all emotion, raw emotion.
1: Mm -hmm. And I guess one thing the two films have in common is you don't feel like either of them are rushed. You really feel Mm -mm. like he's sort of taking his time with things, even in like. Crazy action sequences where they're just going at each other, and he's just torturing this guy.
0: I complain about American uh, action movies all the time that sometimes your best fight sequences or action sequences go so quickly because they're trying to trick you. Because mm-hmm. maybe maybe they don't, they aren't really, you know, maybe the CGI isn't isn't as good, or uh, they're not really doing what they're trying to make you think they're doing. But in these films, it's not the case. This is a two and a half hour film.
1: It's a long movie. It is,
0: an, it is an epic. It's a revenge, a bloody revenge epic.
1: That's kind of a thing, though. I think a lot of Korean movies are sort of epic.
0: Well, they are. And I think the reason they're longer than your standard American film is exactly what you said. It's that they take their time. They're not trying to rush through it. It's, every movie is an event. It's not a rush job from a studio trying to you know pull a buck out. <sighs> so
1: It's incredible. I couldn't even pick between the two leads. They're both so good.
0: They're so good.
1: All right. Oh. Okay. One more scene I really liked. Okay, there are two f- fight scenes I like. The first one when he confronts um, the serial killer in his sort of greenhouse lair. Mm-hmm. And they have that first fight scene. And I'm just like, wow, he's not just a secret agent. he is a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> and then the hospital scene where serial killer is like, I am so sorry. I did not remember these characters' names. <laughs> where he's like, he's trying to rape this nurse. And then secret agent like busts in and they start fighting and he gets his hand gouged at one point and he like barely pauses, wraps it in gauze because they're in a hospital already and just keeps pummeling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This, so serial killer, this serial killer is one of the most, like, impatient serial killers ever. As soon as he's in a room with someone or near someone that he feels like he might want to kill, he just goes for
1: it. He, he just, just got does. a cast put on his broken <laughs> wrist, and he's like, you know what, I think I have time to rape and murder, so I'm going to do Yeah, that.
0: he's insatiable. I mean, the guy has a problem. Um, <laughs> so I saw the devil. Uh, great stuff. Highly recommended. it again. Um, all right, should we, uh, should we move on to the next one? First... Thirst. So Chanwook Park, um another impressive, you know, resume of, of cinema. Um Thirst it's two thousand nine. Um it's based on a book uh, oh really? By Milzola from the late 1800s. I was doing a little bit of research what? on this one because I wondered. There's a I've lot never heard
1: of it. it must have a different title?
0: It well, it's called uh, "Therese Raquin." Oh, okay. Therese uh, Raquin. I haven't heard of it. No, so. <laughs> I don't think I, it was a hit at the time, but it, you know, over the years, I think it's been forgotten. There are no vampires in this book. Um, there's no supernatural element whatsoever. So I thought it was interesting that. Chan Woo Park decided to take that story, but you know, add in this whole um, vampire element, and really, and obviously, adds a lot to changes a lot of things around. Um, but the basic premise of the movie was similar to the to the source material, um, except for there's no vampire blood. So this priest is infected with uh, vampire blood when he, he, so he agrees to participate in an experiment to cure the the Emmanuel virus. I guess it is.
1: They call it EV eventually. EV, it's so, a man, it's a manual yeah.
0: virus, and um, the the I guess the experiment fails, and so he becomes. I mean, he had now he now has this virus in him through this uh, through this this um, failed experiment. So then they try to get his blood out through transfusion, and he uh, becomes a vampire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and as a vampire, or maybe a little. No, no, no. While he's a vampire, he starts falling in love with—I don't know if it's a friend or an acquaintance from way back, but it's, someone it's his he, old friend. Yeah, yeah, it's someone he knew from long ago, and he starts going there while this old friend is dying, essentially. And he's playing mahjong with them, and he falls in love with the wife, mm-hmm. and she falls in love with him because he's become this like vampire with like more confidence and more strength.
0: I think, there's, I think it's twofold for her. Not only that, but he's now considered by the townspeople to be a healer mm-hmm. because he survived what he shouldn't have survived. He should have died on the operating table, but he, he didn't. So now he is sort of like this folk hero and people come to him to have him heal them. Um, and so I think it's a twofold thing. He's both a, a, a healer um, and a potential killer at the same time, which I think is really interesting. That's sort of the, yes. the really interesting dichotomy of his personality in this movie. Um, Because, yeah, he starts out as a minister. So he is the angel as a minister, and he is the devil as a vampire. He is both personified, really.
1: He is. And I should say... It's not as heavy-handed as you think. Something to do with religion would be. It's actually there are some pretty funny parts, like when he's first trying to figure out like vampire life, and he's just like, "Let's see if I can fly. Should I be sleeping in a coffin? I guess I'm going to be sleeping in this like laid on its side trunk." Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's some great moments. Uh, Song Kang Ho is uh, plays uh, Sang Hyun, who's the the main the uh, the male lead. Mm-hmm. I've seen him in a lot of things. Again, I can't I can't. Oh. tell you right away but he is yeah, well well known Korean actor and he's great in this um,
1: Song Kang-ho is one of my favorite Korean actors I mean I know him from JSA also with Park Chan-wook and he's in one of the Vengeance movies I can't remember which one uh, he's in The Host and he's in Snowpiercer
0: oh yeah Host and Snowpiercer thank you that's what I was trying to think of yeah
1: yeah no he is awesome and he's also in um, Age of Shadows which I have not seen yet I think with Lee Byung Hun.
0: ah okay I need to see that um, this has actually gotten me on a kick where I want to go back and just start watching. Now, now that I've seen a couple of Kim Ji Woon's films, a couple of Chan Woo Parks, I'm going to start going back through their catalog and watching just their films in general, horror or not.
1: I'm um, in, movie night. Yeah,
0: oh yeah, yeah, new movie night. We have a new purpose for movie night. Uh, so, and then uh, Kim Ok Bin is Taiju, and that's um, the priest, uh, Sang Hyun, the main character. That's uh, the woman of his affection. Um, his best friend's wife and she is she lives a really depressing life in the film
1: her transformation in a way is more interesting to me than his because it, it offers such a perfect counterpoint She starts off as this yeah this like really
0: she's put upon by everybody no one appreciates her yes. she's expected to just you know she's
1: a bored underappreciated housewife she
0: is yeah her husband uh, is a is a jerk to her but
1: not not a physically abusive one
0: but not a physically abusive <laughs> one and here's where the plot gets really interesting this is what's, this is what where the the plot of thirst is is inspired by this book so in the book this guy this priest goes to visit a childhood friend and falls in love with his wife um, they end up killing the childhood friend and then but the guilt of what happens leads them to decide that they just they can't live any longer Mm. And under the watchful eye of the um, of his friend, his now dead friend's mother, they they kill themselves. At the end of the book. Wow. So this one follows a lot of those same. So what's interesting is when the friend. So they do. They conspire. He he is told by Taiju is Told by Taiju. She says that she's being physically abused. Sang-hun Hoon says, you know what? We can't we can't have this. I'm not I'm not going to deal with this. He's in love with her. Um, so they they decide to kill him. to take him out in a boat, and
1: yeah, that helps him justify killing. Because he's trying to this point um, as a new vampire to not kill.
0: He's got a blood source, so he's got but he's the got the hospital. Him, <laughs> the hospital, right? So he's got a place where he can get his blood, so he doesn't have to kill. Because as a minister, as a priest, it's completely against his his moral code. However, Taiju has no moral code. She's just been put upon her whole life, and so. Now, all of a sudden, as she blossoms into this vampire, she goes the opposite way.
1: She is a remorseless, hedonistic killer. She
0: is wiling out, man. She, is, <laughs> I mean, she just does what she wants. That's where the film gets really interesting. So as they sort of begin to spread further apart in their personalities, what keeps them together is like the mind-blowing sex they have throughout this film. I mean, this film is a very sensual film. There's a lot of... Um,
1: even by the end, she's like really ready to like cut and run.
0: She is. She is.
1: She's like over it. She's just like, I'm not into this anymore.
0: He actually helps to, he almost kind of forces her to realize, like, we can't do this. Like, he's like, I don't, I don't think they want, he doesn't want to live without her. But he also realizes that she's a danger to society. <laughs> <She> <laughs> like, and so he, you know, so basically, but all the meanwhile, I think one of the interesting things about this film is the whole time the mother of the son is in the state of Catatonia, living in her house.
1: Well, she... No, she doesn't start off that way. At no. some point she has... Is it a stroke? She
0: has an alcoholic stroke, is okay. what I think it is. Yeah. So, she doesn't start that way, but midway through the film, she is always sitting on her the chair that she dies in, I guess, or not die, but that she's basically a vegetable in. Mm-hmm. And um, her... The, like there's a point where the guilt of what happens starts to catch up with them, and, and you get a sense that she she knows everything that's going on. She's sort of the the secret like character in the book that things, or the character in the movie that things revolve around to a certain extent, as as in this um, in the original uh, source material.
1: One of the funniest but tensest scenes in that movie for me is when the mahjong gang comes back they're just like oh it's so sad our friend's dead and he died mysteriously but we still are gonna come back and play mahjong here <laughs> they're all
0: hanging out <laughs>
1: and then mostly catatonic mom is like in her chair and she's like furiously with her one finger that works trying to scratch in letters to reveal that they're murderers. That's like, a
0: fantastic scene. That and that's her
1: eyes are just going crazy. <laughs>
0: and that's all Chanwoo' party. That scene didn't. Uh, I don't think that scene exists in the book. That's just all his his brilliance. Yeah, that's a great scene. And they slowly <laughs> there. You could watching their faces fall is really good.
1: I know because they just like want to go there and have fun and write off anything that seems weird. And it's like killed. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's not a big deal. It was an accident. Don't blame yourself. And she's like. Looking like more and more pissed off, just in the eyes, and like just looking over at them. <laughs>
0: so they start doing a Morse a Morse code thing. Um, they say, you know, bl- uh, I think what is it? Uh, blink once, yes. Blink twice, no. And that's when they start to ask her questions, and they start to de- <laughs> they start to decipher this mystery through her and Morse she is code blinks, blinking
1: like Christmas lights. By oh, the end, oh
0: man, yeah. So or yeah. So it's there. It's it's just a. It, it's a fantastic film. It's, it's sexy. It's violent. It's, uh, it poses all these great questions about what it means to to be a vampire, but to still feel human, as human as Song as, um, yeah. Hyun does.
1: It's artful and bizarre. It's yeah. just incredible to look at. Whereas
0: Taiju completely embraces it, Song Hyun is continuing to try to cling to the last vestiges uh, of his humanity. And so I think that's really interesting to watch those two characters as they as they continue to evolve.
1: Yeah, and like the book at the very end, they do die together, though it takes a lot of convincing to get her on board with that.
0: Yep, it does, it does. She is
1: is clawing at life.
0: Oh yeah, and so they take take, um, her mother-in-law with them, Mm -hmm. and they drive to the edge of the cliff, and there they sit as dawn is breaking, and they sit on the top of the car and it's a beautiful scene it's a heartbreaking scene
1: yeah it is
0: gorgeous gorgeous scene i was, uh, it, was it was very moving into that film cuz you got a chance like as they finally realizing they're looking at their last seconds mortality you see that there is still love there is still humanity in her especially too like that comes out for a moment like she has that last sort of maybe she has an, an epiphany in that those last moments you don't really know but oh what a
1: I thought it might have just been resignation but either way it is there is a sweetness to it
0: yeah yeah so I, I really think there's uh, there's there's some some great moments in that but yeah the more the more I think about this film you know the more I went back and just started reading some um, some interviews with, with Chan Park about it and just kind of looking into it really it's it's made it even richer um, for me
1: hmm yeah, I really like how they messed with vampire mythology. So this is my first time seeing it since it came out in 2009 mm-hmm. and totally holds up. Lots of things I probably forgot about. And one thing Dean noticed, he's just like, so some things like kind of stick to our vampire lore and other things like you still have your reflections.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That, it's... yeah, the the apartment of like dead husbands and the wife slash mistress vampire it ends up being like painted this unnatural shade of like clinical bright white with all these like fluorescent bulbs hanging from the ceiling.
0: That's the other again. We're talking about visual brilliance in Changwood Park's directing, but there's these fantastic scenes, red blood over this mm-hmm. stark white floor and background, and it's just really just you. you again, you're sort of enraptured watching this film um, the whole time. It's yeah,
1: yeah, pretty great stuff. Awesome. So
0: see it. See thirst.
1: All, right. All uh, right. Do you want to do Train to Busan?
0: Sure. You know, so we, we talked about Train to Busan um, in our horror Oscars um, for 2007 or 2016, I guess
1: it was. Yeah. I wanted to say, I don't know what happened, but I feel like 2016 was like an awesome year for <laughs> Korean horror because two of my favorite movies of 2016 were Korean horror movies.
0: Absolutely. The Whaling and Train to Busan were two of the strongest horror movies of, of that year. Um, and... Uh, Train to Busan is really one of the best zombie films to come out in a while.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. And it's just another example of taking a genre that both Carrie and I had seen a lot of. Yep. It's a zombie apocalypse movie. Um, but it's it's so exciting.
0: Here's the thing about it. Every time you think a genre is played out, all of a sudden a creat- some creative mind comes back and it, it kind of breathes new life into it
1: yeah so in um in case you do need a summary this movie is about a workaholic dad and his daughter Mm -hmm. getting on a train to busan as a zombie apocalypse breaks out Mm -hmm. Um, there's also like a super um tough husband who's ma dong Suk, who was like one of my favorite actors in that movie
0: he's freaking awesome he will be your favorite character when you watch this film even though I thought uh, uh, Yu Gong, the actor, plays uh, Wu, Wu Siok, um, I thought that he his character, it, well, again, what great thing about the film is everyone gets to have a story arc, and his story arc is learning to stop being so removed and jump in and, and do something about a situation. He's so removed from his family, and now he is forced to take action mm-hmm. um, and to care about other people. Like, he's just in his own little world. Now in this, in when, when they're on the train, like he has to think about not just his daughter, but about other people, not just himself. I think there's a uh, uh, a lot of that going on too.
1: Oh yeah, it's definitely taking a look at being selfless.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
1: to to counter that, there is an evil CEO on this train who is the most selfish.
0: He's awesome. What a great villain. You know, yeah, I it's I love these
1: pure villain.
0: Yes, a, a pure villain. No
1: complexity about it. Nope.
0: Nope. But you know, you think about it, there, there would be in situations where there's life or death situations, there's always going to be somebody mm-hmm. who's going to only think of themselves, you know, everyone else be damned. And so there's some great moments of tension between that character and, and our main characters.
1: Yeah. I, I like to think of Train to Busan as like a version of World War Z from Korea that I really like because yeah. I did not like World War Z. But it's kind of the same effect. Like, you see these actual hordes and waves of, like, the undead.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yon Sang-ho is the director, and he also did, <clears throat> which was released recently on, on Shudder, actually. Soul Station. Uh, Soul Station. Soul um, Station's good. Soul Station. Which I have not seen yet, <laughs> but uh, I've heard uh, Steph say. Um, that you've said it's uh, really good. Yeah,
1: I liked it. Um, I wouldn't say that I loved it and that it, like, that it would be like a favorite movie the way Train to Busan sort of instantly Mm -hmm, became mm -hmm. but yeah it's pretty good and he's coming out with some sort of superhero movie this year or maybe it's already out I don't know
0: Psychokinesis a father sets out to save his daughter a troubled daughter with superpowers uh, that she has recently possessed I believe and uh, yeah that one was released uh, January 31st so I don't know when we'll get it or when we'll have access to it it because that was when it was released in South Korea so um, I'm hoping we get it soon I'm, I'm looking forward to that yeah me
1: too I would be really interested to see like another movie from him
0: yes but yeah so it, it, again we'll, we'll kind of reiterate a little bit what we said before if you haven't seen Train to Busan don't be you know put off by the fact that it is a zombie flick just go into it thinking to yourself you know just take it for what it's worth at face value and mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't imagine what love it's a great movie
1: yeah, I think it would make a really good double feature with Snowpiercer. Oh, because,
0: yes, yes.
1: Yeah, just two movies set on Doom Trains.
0: Yep, Doom Trains. Actually, you know, we should, maybe we should do a Doom Train episode next time. We doom got a couple trains. more. Well, there are a couple more we could throw in there. We could throw a little terror Train in there, yeah, you know?
1: Yeah, of my, about One of my that.
0: favorite uh, late eight, uh, 70s, early 80s slashers.
1: But yeah, I sort of feel like um, seeing all the zombies and victims like crammed onto the train cars. It's really fitting because the movie is like max packed with like crazy like choreographed action sequences.
0: Mm-hmm. Great um, action. And it, it never lets up. Once it, it starts It never
1: lets up.
0: The first ten or fifteen minutes of the movie are slow and you're in this building and then all of a sudden it's like game on. It's going till you finish. And
1: it gives you like a little breather where they're getting off at a station. And you're just like, oh, okay. And it's like, no. And then you get back on the train cars and they have to sneak through in this really quiet.
0: That was one of my favorite scenes of the film.
1: And you're just like, oh, it's about to blow up into action again.
0: <laughs> right, because the zombies, uh, in, you know, zombies are different in every film. They react to different things. Sometimes some movies it's uh, sight, it's sound. In this one it's sound. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene where they have to walk through a train car to get to to get to where they need to go, and they're passing all these zombies in various states, and they're trying to be as quiet as possible. It's a great scene.
1: It's a little bit sight, though. They have that one scene in the beginning where they cover up the window with newspaper, and that seems yep, to like, quiet true. the horde for a that's minute. That's true. But yeah, it it also has all the emotion. Like By the end of the movie, they've really developed this relationship between the father and his daughter, and you can tell that... He has gone on his own personal journey on this physical also journey, and I mean, he really just wants to do what he can to protect people he cares about and ultimately sacrifices himself.
0: Yep. It's a great, a heart-wrenching ending. I was just like, man, I was moved by that ending. And you just
1: wouldn't expect a movie that has, like, a team of, like, gymnastic-level baseball zombies, like, coming at you to also, like, pull at your emotions that way.
0: It works so well. It does, yeah. Yeah. It straddles that line really, really well. So, also go out and see that one immediately. It's It's been on Netflix for a while. You have Horror fans have no excuse not to see it.
1: We've just ruined it for you if you haven't seen it, but hopefully you will. <laughs> anyway.
0: It is totally worth it. It doesn't matter. It's that good. Yes.
1: All right. And another epic, The Wailing.
0: Oh, man. Here we go. Another two and a half hour non-rated epic mystery thriller, The Wailing.
1: Mm-hmm. And it came out the same year as Train to Busan. Yep. Really couldn't be more different. It's yeah. just, instead of being set in a city, it's set sort of in this rural town.
0: There's a lot of interesting rural traditions that are shown in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my, yeah, I think I've, we talked about this before. One of my favorite scenes in The Wailing is is the um, the religious uh, scene. I guess the exorcism scene.
1: Oh, with long-haired shaman. Yeah, yeah. long-haired
0: <laughs> shaman. <laughs> Bring us home, long here to shaman. Oh, I'm man. just going
1: to resort on um, descriptions instead of names again. <laughs> but this is by Hong Jin, who did mm-hmm. The Chaser, which is also about a serial killer and would probably be a good pairing with I Saw the Devil, but it is soundly more a thriller than mm-hmm. horror movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he also did The L.C., which is awesome.
0: Yep. Jun uh, Kunimura plays the Japanese man. Oof. Frightening character.
1: I meant to look up the cast. I, I didn't do that.
0: Yeah, see, so it's a, it's a police drama. It's, um...
1: It starts off as a police drama. But then
0: it changes.
1: Actually, when it starts off, you, you're you kind of laughing. He seems like this bumbling cop. Like there's a, a little, lot of comedy. little lazy.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. There's lots of comedy but in there, actually. But
1: it ends up being about demonic possession, ghosts, and folklore.
0: And there are some, again, this is a this is a film where there are some scenes that I, I jumped at. I thought we're just, we're creepy, kind of on the edge of your seat.
1: Yeah, I mean, so it starts off where the policeman is investigating these two sort of gruesome murders in Mm -hmm. his small rural town. Yep. And there's some prejudices against this sort of Japanese hermit who lives nearby. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, this is a very superstitious town. Yes. It turns out they're not wrong.
0: (laughs) No, no they're not.
1: And then eventually his daughter gets this like rash... And she's presumably possessed by a demon. Mm-hmm. She is possessed by a demon. Yep. So there, there are things in it that kind of remind you of like The Exorcist. But I would argue that this is weirder and more dispiriting than that.
0: Oh yeah, it's. I mean, this movie drags you through the mud.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know the, uh, the the character, the main character, the father has to go through so much and and see so much suffering and deal with his daughter, and it's um. You're, I mean you're you're almost exactly like we go on this journey and by the end you're almost exhausted after this film watching this film.
1: Yeah um Carrie and I talked about this movie in one of our very first episodes when mm-hmm. we were thinking about movies in 2016 we really liked um, but now we've had some time. I still don't know what to make about all the characters. So my take on it is that the young lady, is a good ghost I think at the time I was trying to debate whether she was human or not since she can physically touch and I'm like maybe she's a good shaman and she's there to battle the bad shaman but now I think she's like a good ghost kind of speaking in these like riddles and Mm -hmm. biblical symbolism and she's like there to sort of protect them but you have to trust her or or have faith I suppose and then I, I at the time I'm like is the long-haired shaman, like, a legit shaman who at some point, like, gets corrupted? And then, but now I'm thinking maybe he was, like, working with demon Japanese hermit the whole time.
0: I'm, I was wondering that, too. I'm still not sure about that, Because he has,
1: like, a suitcase of photos, like a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know.
0: I don't know, either. That's, there's, there's still a lot of un answered questions for me from that film and I think I'm going to need a couple more viewings to really Yeah, is the
1: Japanese man actually a demon or was he also possessed by a a demon who's using him as a vessel for this thing and like using people's natural prejudice? Right. Um, I have no
0: idea. I don't know. Is he the OD? Original (laughs) demon? I don't know. (laughs) Don't turn me back to the OD.
1: Um, apparently this movie's also going to be remade.
0: Oh god.
1: And I'm like, I would like to see you try. I think, I think well, it would be quite a challenge.
0: It'll be a swing and a miss. Is all I got to say about that. Like, you can't, you can This is a film that I would find, I would find really challenging to remake. Now, given that there are a lot of cultural traditions and in, in, in this film, uh, I would be interested to see how they Americanize it, but not happy to see. It. <laughs> I'll watch the, I'll watch the uh, remake of it, but
1: I think something that has like a similar like, dark, slow-burn mood and deals with superstition would be something like The Witch.
0: Yeah, I could see... Uh, but this
1: is so packed Robert with, Eggers
0: doing that, yeah. Yeah,
1: this is, like, so packed with odd things and, like, you're looking at beautiful, like, blue mountains in Korea, this village, and chickens yeah. are being sacrificed. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> now, maybe because it's so different, there, there are so many cultural differences, maybe a remake that's vastly different will be better. The problem with remakes is when they try to take a plot, a lot of times they'll just take the plot, throw a few American twists in it, and boom, there it is. Mm-hmm. It's more or less the same movie. So may, that, that actually could make the remake of Whaling better for that reason. I don't know.
1: Did you ever see, kind of off topic, did you see the Korean movie Addiction?
0: No, I didn't.
1: Okay, well, that movie's awesome. It also has Lee Hun in it. Uh. And they remade that movie with, uh, I can't remember. They remade it, it's called Possession.
0: Huh. I don't think I've seen it.
1: Not yeah. to be confused with the excellent Sam Neill, Isabel. Which I still possession. have not seen. Oh my god, we're gonna watch it, Carrie. There you go. But okay, so Addiction is the Korean version, and that has some weird twists in it, and that's something where they tried to adapt it with I think Lee Pace in the lead. Then, who I usually like seeing.
0: Lee Pace is great, but yeah. But
1: that was not good. Oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. That was who was in it.
0: Oh God. If you're trying to throw, yeah, I mean, just like, you know, let's throw the actress of the moment in this, you know, adaptation of an awesome Korean film and just completely fuck it up. Yay. Yeah. That's what, I don't know. Yeah. So if it's
1: anything like that, Wailing adaptation would not be good. Or like Old Boy adaptation or like anything they're remaking. I think there's going to be a Train to Busan remake. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I'm
0: sure. Because we've realized that the Korean filmmakers are making better films than we are, and so we need to, <laughs> we need to steal them. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, basically, we've just given you a cross-section of some really fantastic K-horror. There's plenty more to be seen out there, but I really think that you are doing yourself a disservice if you do not go out and see these films we just mentioned. They are, they are all really great.
1: There are a lot of early two thousands like K horror movies I want to do. Maybe we should split it up by decade, and next time we can talk about like.
0: I want to the nineties,
1: early two thousands. Yeah, And yeah. then we can do twenty tens forwards.
0: <laughs> right, right. Because we're going right now. We're going three to seven, three to seventeen, or three to six, two thousand three to two thousand sixteen. But really, we're going mostly two thousand like nine to two thousand sixteen. So, mm-hmm. so no, agreed. And I want to watch one of those whispering corridors movies. Darn it, gotta do it.
1: Oh yeah, we're gonna do it. Whispering corridors. I still wanna see Hansel and Gretel. Oh yeah, that's
0: right. We didn't get a chance to see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I wanna see this movie Cha. That came out in like I've seen two thousand nine, two thousand ten. And the that's also horror like for a, that a bunch
0: of times, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's also like a horror comedy from Korea. Okay. Which I mean, that doesn't always work and who knows if the humor totally translates, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, this was A little meandering, but Carrie and I are going to get back on track with more horror movies next episode. Yeah,
0: no, thanks for listening, y'all. We really enjoyed this one. Um, Like I said, we we strongly encourage you to go out and search out these. Most of the movies we mentioned today are actually pretty available, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's in physical media or um, on various uh, websites. So, yeah, definitely go out and check them out. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Come see us on Instagram. And um, drop us a line if if you so feel.
1: Yeah, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye.
0: Bye.